Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Well, good morning, folks. Aren't you glad that you're in church this morning? Uh, this morning, um, we're going to do something that we've been doing uh, a little more frequently than is common. Uh, we're just going to have a little bit of a family moment here at the beginning before the message, before we introduce our special speaker for today, uh, who you guys know as Timmy. Uh, but we have a, a couple of special announcements to make. This is a morning of special announcements, uh, introductions. You met some little ones for the very first time. How awesome is it that we have all these young families in our church? Aren't you thankful for them? As the babies were being announced, I had a grandparent lean over and say, hey, we're, we're excited. We just found out that we're about to have uh, a baby as well. And there is an excitement that fills not only our family, but our church. Amen. Yeah. Somebody's excited about that. They're hoping that's from them, right? <laughs> so excited. Um, but there's some other awesome announcements. And to help us with this transition, I've asked Pete. He's been in, um, walking through this process personally. So, Pete, would you help us this morning with these other transitions? Yeah. So we, uh, I took the time to write it out because I think it's important for you to hear a little bit more of the story as we kind of share where we got to this morning as we make some some pretty uh, big announcements, exciting announcements, but we wanted you to be aware as our church family. As most of you know, our, our church has been growing, and uh, one of the areas that it, we have been growing and seeing that growth the most is in our children's ministry. Uh, over the last year, uh, myself and some of our staff and our children's ministry director, Tara Coffey, have been meeting and talking about what, what does the future need for this ministry to continue to move forward so we can effectively minister to children and their parents and families. And it became clear to all three of us that as this ministry continues to grow, where now hundreds of kids are being served each week, we were going to need to do things a little bit different. Um, so we took that to our leadership team. And we all began to pray what that might look like. Over the last four years, Tara Coffey, our children's ministry director, has served part-time and overseen Sunday mornings, Tuesday nights, our nursery team, our paid child care team, in every special event such as VBS, the egg hunt, and trunk or treat. She has also led, yeah, it's pretty amazing, <laughs> part-time. Treasures in heaven. She also has led our children's ministry through a pandemic. I don't think we understand how difficult that was for children's ministry leaders around the world, but she did an amazing job finding creative ways to consistently minister to our children and their families when everything else was shut down, driving to parents' homes to deliver Bible study tools for their families each and every week. As this role became increasingly larger, though, it became clear that we were going to need to do things a little bit differently. So we began to pray what that would look like. We would need to expand our team and restructure how we function to meet the ministry needs heading into this next season here at Salem Heights. This would start with hiring a full-time ministry leader for children's ministry who could shepherd this current team, as well as other part-time members we would need to hire. With that vision in place, we began to pray for clarity, unity, and God's provision of the right people. And as we prayed, God provided. And so this morning, I'd like to share an overview of some of those changes that are going to take place starting this fall within our children's ministry team. First, 
we are excited to announce that Tim Saffields will be moving into a new role of pastor of family life, where he will shepherd and oversee our D6 children's ministry. In addition to this new role, Tim will oversee family life, shepherding, encouraging, and working with the team of ministry leaders who are overseeing the day-to-day ministry in each area of family life. We've expanded our children's ministry team to provide staff to assist Tim with Sundays, nursery, childcare, and special events. This leads to two obvious questions. What about Tara? And what about Cause, where Tim has faithfully served for over a decade? Well, Tara has been a part of this process from the beginning, and she continues to this moment loving, serving families and children. She sees the need for a full-time shepherd to oversee this growing ministry, but with a young, growing family of her own, she knew that she would not be able to give more time to this ministry in this next season. When we shared the possibility of Tim moving into a role as pastor of family life, she was excited, believing that Tim has the gifts and strength to lead this ministry into the next season. Tara will assist us in this transition, then step away for a season as she is expecting the birth of her next child late August. Yes, that's exciting. But she and her husband, Joe, have not only been a part of our church family for many years, they've been a key part to our ministry team. And we are thankful for their faithful care of our children and families. And although this season of ministry is coming to an end, we are excited to have them continue to fellowship and serve as part of our church family for many years to come. There is no way that we can show how grateful we are for Tara and her faithful dedication for the last four years as our children's ministry director. But I would love to give her a glimpse of how grateful we are for her, Joe, and their family right now. Tara and Joe are in this service right now. Can we show them how thankful we are for Tara for a job well done? I want to invite you to find Tara at some point um, in the coming days and weeks and just express what she's meant to your family directly. But we're so thankful for you, Tara and Joe. Uh, and so good job. Well done. As for cause, where Tim has faithfully served for over a decade, we had a huge void to fill in an important area of church, a middle school ministry. And as we began to pray about that, God also answered there providing someone that has been a part of that ministry to step up and serve. And so after many conversations and prayer, we've invited Ben Search to join our team as our middle school cause director. Ben has served as cause uh, in cause for several years, has been a faithful servant along with his wife, Ashley. Their experience, strength, and passion for working with middle schoolers has them equipped to continue to build, equip, and lead our middle school cause staff. And we're excited to welcome Ben to our team. There, yes. There are several more additions to our D6 team that God has provided, and we will share that information with you in the coming weeks, but we invite you as our church family to pray with us. First, a prayer of thanksgiving for all that God has provided in this season, but prayer for God's continued provision, guidance, and strength as we adapt and adjust in this coming year. Thank you, Pete. So I'd like you guys to welcome now to the stage our uh, new pastor of family life, Tim Saffields. We'll just wave, yeah. Um, one of the things uh, you'll notice um, 
the humble servants that we have uh, around here, uh, Tara being in the, the thing but not wanting to be up in front has always wanted to serve you guys humbly side by side. Michelle is also in the service right here, but we're trying not to make a spectacle, right? But you guys know who they are. Bless them. Be thoughtful as you bless them and surround them, all right? Um, send them a card. Give them a note. Actually tell them what it is specifically that it has blessed you over these years. But we're so thankful for Tim. And so there was a passage that was on my mind as we've watched you uh, go from Tim the trumpet player, uh, the crazy cause member, to somebody who was volunteering. Um, and you, you've heard a theme this morning as well. Part-time uh, means a ridiculous amount of exposure and hours at the church. And uh, Tim has proven himself over the years as not just a, uh, a minister of the gospel, but a faithful servant, somebody who shows up when people are hurting. And so this passage in Second Timothy, I, uh, a book named after you, Yes, the other way around. It says this, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, Paul speaking to Timothy in that day. When I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night, remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I might be filled with joy. He goes on in verse six, he says, therefore I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and of sound judgment. Rekindle not the idea that you've lost somehow that fire, but keep it hot because people around you are looking to you uh, as a leader. So this morning, I just want to pray, ask you to lead us as you preach this morning uh, as the pastor of family life. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you so much for these significant moments. Um, Father, it is hard to express how much... Um, uh, thanks it, it, there is in this room for Tara, uh, the incredible amount of work that she has done, not just over the years, but in this last season, uh, to be able to go through all these transitions and to do it glorifying you. We praise you for her, her efforts, her staff, the way that she's led. Uh, thank you for that servant's heart, and we pray you'd bless her in these days. But also we pray, Father, that you'd bless Tim as he steps into this role. Uh, families need encouragement. Somebody they can go to and say, where is the resource? Uh, would you pray for me? Would you be able to listen to what I'm dealing with? Um, and so we pray, Father, that you give Tim that sense of sound judgment, of uh, passion, of continual fire to point people to you, not man's resource, but the Spirit of God. So we ask right now that you'd bless him even as he preaches, help him to sense our pleasure uh, at you, choosing him to serve in this way. We thank you for all you're doing here and ask now that you'd guide him and use him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. I'm really going to try hard not to cry or get super emotional, but I can't promise that. I will say this, though. Uh, my wife and I are super honored and we're grateful. Um, we are humbled to be here and uh, um, we're just excited to serve the Lord in this in this next season, and to serve you. Um, I'd like to tell a story uh, this morning of a kid. He was a kid that uh, grew up here in Salem, and he grew up in a Christian family. His, uh, his parents were both believers, and he came to know the Lord at the age of six. He got baptized at First Baptist Church at the age of eight, and he, uh, he had a dream of one day actually owning a Christian bookstore. Um, 
he was taught by some godly people at First Baptist, one of them, a couple named Jack and Marcel Mori. And uh, I think they just celebrated 50 years of children's ministry over there. Uh, they went over to another church a couple years later to, to Wesleyan Baptist as a family, he and his younger brothers and parents. And they ran into a gentleman by the name of Jerry Domes. And Jerry Domes was a farmer from Monday through Monday. And uh, loved the Lord God with all of his heart and loved his family. And uh, this kid uh, watched as Jerry Domes would simply open up God's word every single Sunday and uh, proclaim uh, his love for the Savior. Well, this boy, he moved over to a different part of town into South Salem, and he started going to a church named Salem Heights. And uh, he ran into people like Scott Hunter, Russ Clausen, Tim Gross, who would open up God's Word weekly and read from it and ask him questions like, Hey, how's your time in the Word? Hey, uh, hey what, what are you thinking about? And uh, when no one was looking, he'd sneak into the main auditorium and he'd preach to empty seats. And uh, no one ever disliked his messages. <laughs> pastor Justin was the youth pastor back then, and Matt McCollin and Aaron Green were some of its leaders. And this, this kid... Uh, would run into them, and not just here in the church, but out and in the byways and highways of Salem. And they'd ask him, hey, so I saw that you're dating someone. Have you prayed about that? Thanks for asking me that question. (laughs) Mentors and godly individuals would also just be present and exemplify faithfulness for years and years. In school, here at the church, people like Daryl Goldchild, Dave Hamlin, Pete Potloff, Scott Roska, Tara Cox, and Josh Piper... And then this kid graduated middle school into high school and then eventually into college. And he found independence being something free and uh, wanting to make his own. And he attended a school here in Salem, uh, a college university, and uh, found himself again surrounded by God's people and faithful individuals. Not necessarily people that would hold a mic or proclaim from a stage, but faithful individuals that spoke to his heart. People like Kurt and Shally Ships. Terry and Diane Bassett, Tim and Carrie McLean, Beth Bartriff, and Mary Ivy. Many others would walk alongside this kid as he grew up in this church, and many of these still do and love our Savior. And they simply opened up God's Word and wanted this kid to get to know the God that they knew. And these conversations happened in the hallways of church, in the hallways of school in Chipotle, in the really, really cold hallways down at Salem uh, Heights Elementary up at the university, texts throughout the week, and even in their own homes. And you probably have guessed it, but that kid was me. These people all loved and still love our Savior and simply walked with me and uh, talked with me for many, many years. And what happened was, as I spent time with these godly individuals, I grew and I came to know the Savior that they knew. And that really is my heart, absolutely my heart, in beginning and and stepping into this role as family pastor here at Sam Heights. My grow is that as each one of your family grows, that they would come to know our Savior more personally. That they would come to know Him not just about, not just about this God, not just about this Savior that we read about, but they would come to know Him more personally. And I I believe that that's not just my heart, but that's also God's as well. And we're going to take a look here this morning uh, at two passages that really have been the inspiration 
for the years and years of ministry in the D6 and the cause uh, for the past three decades for those two ministries. So we're going to take a little turn, and I I have you open up your Bibles here this morning, and we're going to take a look at that first one that's been the inspiration for our D6 ministry. So if you'd open up to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now as you're doing that, we saw the babies here this morning, didn't we? Man, how cute are they? So cute. I remember when all my kids, they're still cute, but they, they had that, that new baby smell, right? And with that new baby smell came other smells that came with new babies, right? And there's no blueprint. There's no like uh, instruction manual for how you're helping get the kid in the car seat and get him out because they don't know how to do that either. But I, I'm thankful that God and his wisdom and his word, he actually gives us an instruction in how to help these kids grow to go from that moment when they blink for the first time and that they would actually grow and follow the great God that loves them. And here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 1 through 9, we see the beginning, we see this growing process. So would you read this with me? It says this, This is the command, the statutes and ordinances the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you're about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands. I'm giving you, your son, and your grandson, and so that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly. Because the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Now, as many of you might know, the nation of Israel is about to enter the promised land. And we find here Moses receiving a word from the Lord as instruction for the nation, what they were to be, who they were to be, and to lead their next generation into the promised land. Prospects of food, milk, and honey look good. No longer were they to be slaves to a foreign nation worshiping a foreign god and, and foreign idols. No, now they were about to transition into this moment where they were able to worship freely the God who saw, the God who saved, and the God who had provided. And Moses instructed the people here that God's word was for all people. Did you notice that? There in verse 2 it says, Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life. By keeping all his statutes and commands, I'm giving you, and there's not a period there, it says I'm giving you, comma, your son and your grandson. This is to speak to every single generation, that God's word is for every single generation, not just the adults, not just the learned and the wise and the intelligent, no, for every single generation. Why? I believe that God was saying, Moses, I want every single person to know this because if the next generation doesn't know God, they're surely to go back. They're going to go back to Egypt. They're going to go back to those things that were comfortable in that previous life. My question, though, is how was this supposed to happen? How 
should we lead? How should we help this next generation grow? And he helps us there. Do you see it? There in verse 3, and I love action words, and he gives us a lot, so let's count together. In verse 3, it says, listen, Israel, there's one, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly, because the Lord, the God of your father, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Then he repeats it, verse 4, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Repeat them. It's interesting. He just said listen twice. And then he says repeat. (laughs) Talk about them when you sit in your house. Talk about them when you walk along the road. Talk about them when you lie down. Talk about them when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. And let them be as a symbol. That God's word should be heard. That God's word should be repeated. That God's word should be spoken when we're sitting, when we're talking, when we're in little transitions in life and big ones, big trips. That God's word should be talked about when you lie down and you're tired. And God's word should be talked about when you get up and you're tired. That God's word should be talked about at the end of the day, reflecting on all that God had done. And at the beginning of the day, with the prospects of what's about to happen. And I think it's interesting there, at the end he says, Hey, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be as a symbol on your forehead that they would have literally had small boxes that contained scripture in them. And I believe it's not just two things, or I believe it's two things there. One, like they can feel, it's like, oh, God's word, yeah, that's right. It's like a tangible sensory thing. But also that my decisions with my hands and my thoughts would reflect the word that's actually placed there. And what's to be written Verse 9 says it's to be written on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates that when you enter a room that you'd see that this is, this is the Lord's home. This is the Lord's family. And where I go, that this would be the Lord's. I think God might have been like the original elementary ed teacher. Did you notice all the sense? Like he cares about every single way to teach a kid. He cares about all the sensories, all the illustrations. He doesn't just say, hey, um, it's time to open up your book to page 33 in a Charlie Brown wah-wah. No, he's, he's saying, hey, I want you to hear this. I want you to see this. I want you to feel this. As you go, in every way, in every manner, that God's word should be taught. That as you go, that we should be diligently teaching the next generation's um, God's word. Now, I, I was thinking about this, um, and I, I, I know many of you have been asking me about the trip to Latvia, and I wanted to share a little, little uh, snapshot of that, and I, might, I think it might help us here this morning with this truth. Um, we took a team of uh, about 10 people from our church, and here's a picture, um, over to Latvia a couple weeks ago. And while we were over there, we partnered with a mission organization called Josiah Venture, and Josiah Venture works with local ministries. Isaiah's here in the service. He sees his face up there. Um, and uh, uh, we worked with a church called Mission Baptist. And uh, that church is the only youth group in the entire city. The city is like the size of Lincoln City, and it's the only youth group. The large city there in Latvia, it's, it's Riga, has a million people, and it has 10. So consider the need for the gospel in Latvia. Please pray for them. Please pray for the ministries over there. But while we were over there, 
uh, we felt led to, to do a sports camp as, a, as an opportunity to come alongside the church and partner together to uh, be kind of almost like, hey, come on in, we're going to teach you sports, and then we're also going to share the gospel with you and encourage you. And so we led songs, we led workshops, we led youth games, and there was tons of conversations throughout the week about God, about his word, about these students. And at the end, what we saw is that God actually saved 10 students over there, and a number of them were actually baptized that Sunday. It was an absolute amazing week. Now, I mentioned that we did a sports camp, and uh, I've got to let you know that in Latvia, they're really good at volleyball and soccer, but they have never played American football before. They had no idea what American football was like. And kids started asking me, hey, when are we going to play football? When are we going to play football? They're asking all of our leaders, when are we going to play American football? The parents, when they showed up, they're like, just talk to the kids about football. A dude like showed up with a Jacksonville Jaguars hat and jersey. He's never played before, right? But they all wanted to learn about football. Well, we played a version on Tuesday of, of this, and that's a, that's a little illustration of the field there. And uh, we played a version of flag football on Tuesday. It was raining, and we taught them some of the rules. We taught them that you want to catch the ball up here or here, how to pull flags, how to you know, do some of the different routes and movements. But what did they do? They kept asking. They kept asking, when are we going to play the real game? Because this isn't a gym. This isn't the real game. When are we going to play? When are we going to play? We're on the way to the beach. When are we going to play? Hey, can we talk about football? Hey, what's fancy football? Like they're talking about the whole time, right? Then finally on Thursday... It's good weather. We're going to go to the field. We're going to play football. We get all the flags on. The kids have been talking about the entire week. We get out there. We run, a, we run a, um, right down a couple plays. And uh, we get them in their spots. And it's a little herky-jerky at the beginning. And then all of a sudden, they start getting it. All of a sudden, they start playing. All of a sudden, they start catching the ball. And they're scoring touchdowns. Like, yeah, yeah, they're getting it, right? And then something happens where uh, one of the leaders, his name is Alexanders, he does something that I had never expected. And I was a quarterback for this play, and I threw him the ball, and he caught the ball. And all of a sudden, one of the Latvian students came up and was about to pull his flags. And in a moment, he goes and chucks it again. And all of a sudden, like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. Okay, now, if you don't understand football here, I just want to let you know, if you catch the ball, you can't throw it again. You can maybe pitch it backwards, but he just chucks it again 30 yards down the field. And I was like, okay, we need to stop. Okay, let's, re- let's, let's review the rules. Let's, let's walk back through this. Everyone, everyone, uh, everyone okay? No one got hurt. Well, play picked up again, and guess what happened the next time he caught the ball? He ran for a touchdown. He ran for a touchdown. Now, why do I tell you this story? I tell you this story because of this. I believe that every single one of us, as a parent, as a guardian, as a grandparent, as an aunt, an uncle, a friend, an older, a younger person, every single one of us wants to see the next generation score a touchdown. We want them to love the Lord God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Touchdown. We want the next generation to share the gospel. Touchdown. We want them to fear God. Touchdown. We want the next generation to experience that and for this world to be changed. Amen? The question, though, is will we be about the diligent teaching of God's word day in and day out? Will we sit with them at the cafeteria and walk with them to the beach? Will we be about those conversations? Or will it sadly only be reserved for a few? 
The challenge of this text is that we're to be the diligent disciple makers in these kids' lives. And I just want to remind you, I'm not the number one disciple maker in your kid's life. You are. That's a heavenly mantle and responsibility that God's given each and every parent in each and every garden. I have four kids and I am learning this process just as much as you are. And this is a heavenly calling that as we go, we're to disciple these kids, diligently teaching them so that they might score a touchdown, that they might love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so the question is for each one of us here this morning, what could the diligent teaching of God's word look like in your family this week? What changes is God actually asking you to make, to write down, what is he doing right now in the midst of your heart? Say, I I need to make a change. Maybe I have reserved the teaching diligently of God's word to someone else, to something else. When he is inviting you and I into this heavenly sovereign place of being able to wash and serve these kids daily in the as-you-go moments. Write that down. Pray about it. And I encourage you, if you're a new parent, a younger parent, we have like small groups that are just about to kick off. And I'd say, hey, there are some really humble, godly individuals that have been doing this parenting thing here for a little bit, and they're not the experts. But they know the expert, and they love to walk with you and help you get to him and his heart as you walk through these years of parenting. That, that's something that my wife and I even reflect on in our time as a parent. We've had to reach out and say, hey, how do you do this? Hey, can you, can you help me? And here at Heights, we've only received care and kindness and consistency as we've walked alongside our kids. And so I know that there, there, there might be, even here this morning, someone who's saying, I need help. Please, that, that's why we have this, so that we can walk alongside one another to be able to diligently teach the next generation. Now, as uh, these kids that came up here this morning... They're not always going to stay, Lord willing, in the car seat mode. They're not always going to stay in the bottle mode. There's a transition that does take place where they start growing older and older. And for some of them, I was talking to a kid this morning. He's in high school and he's got a sweet mustache. I'm not going to point him out. He's in the service. But there's this like transition that happens. And uh, it goes from baby bottle phase into more maturity. And what we've noticed, and I've had the... um, opportunity to serve in the youth group for the past 20 years, and we see this take place in 6th grade and 7th grade and 8th grade, and it goes from, I know a lot about God. I know facts. I know, I know the verses. Man, I, I have been diligently taught God's word here on a Sunday morning and a Tuesday, and Tara and Scott and all the D6 leaders have helped me create this incredible foundation for God and my belief in him. And then there's a transition where I start asking the question of, well, but why do I believe? Well, why, why do I believe those things? And as parents, we can get nervous going like, oh, are they questioning their faith? When in reality, my foundation is actually becoming more mature. And I'm starting to go, oh, I'm starting to see that God is not just interested in the facts that I know, but that I actually start to know him. Not just about him, but that I know him. And the passage that has been really the inspiration for the cause for the past three decades has, is in Philippians chapter 3. And so I have you turn there this morning to Philippians chapter 3. And as you're doing that, I, I, I'd uh, 
give you just a short background. Paul's identity had been in his past. Paul is the author here of this passage, led by the Spirit of God. In the preceding context, he says, hey, of anyone to boast, it would have been me. My identity, my worth, my value, all of who I was, I was the best. I came from the best family, the best lineage. I had the best teachers. I had a lot of reasons to put confidence in being good enough that I can get to God on my own. My worth, value, and identity, everyone knows that I was important. I mean, God surely knows that. And what does he say here in chapter 3, verse 8? More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss. In view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ. That's a pretty visceral word, isn't it? Sunday morning text. It's a great word. Now, to give you a little history of even our youth group, many years ago, Pastor Justin became the youth pastor at Sam Heights and um, they were in a season of transition and looking for a new name for our youth group. And the story goes that they were sitting around the campfire and uh, praying about what the name should be. And one of of the questions that was being asked, and I can probably, I I can imagine Pastor Justin going, dude, 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 okay, so um, uh, what's going to be our cause? 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 And then someone goes, what if we call it the cause? And, (laughs) And this was the passage that they found the inspiration of for this ministry that has ministered to thousands of kids for the past 30 years, has washed the feet, seen numbers and numbers of kids come to know Jesus and make declarations of faith and are still faithful today. And this verse here in verse 8 speaks about this transition from growing into knowing, from taking the facts and even finding my identity in the past to knowing him personally. Do you see it there in verse 8? It says, more than that, I consider everything to be a loss. And if you're taking notes at home, you can write in, that word means meat that would have been cast to dogs. I consider all of my past identity, all the things that the world would say is important, and I consider that to be loss. In view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And did you notice, did you notice there in that verse, I, I love this part, It hits me every time I read it. What it doesn't say is is that I have considered all things as loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing about Jesus, the Lord. It says, I consider all things as loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. And who is it? My Lord. I know him. I boast that I know God. I'm going to boast and I'm going to tell the entire world that I know the creator of the universe and the savior of my soul who died and was buried and rose again. I know him. I know him and I want you to know him. And I might lose things in this life and that's what he even says. I've suffered the loss of all things. I might have a consequence to this knowledge, but you know what I get? Jesus. What if I lose everything? I still get Jesus. What if I die? I get Jesus. I get a relationship with the God who knows me better than anyone else. And that's what I want for you. That's Paul's heart here. In a world that we're seeing that's confused about knowledge, you can proclaim that you're known 58 different ways on Facebook right now. Your gender can take 58 different definitions, and you can be known 58 different ways. 
Even from a young age, the question is, is, well, what political party are you going to be known by? We saw that even over in Latvia. Which side of the war are you going to be known for supporting? And I'd take us back there again and help us maybe see this text through the eyes of a 12-year-old. And I'll tell you another story of a moment that was real in Latvia. There was a, um, you can pull up that picture. We're going to, to protect his identity, his name, I'm going to call him Kevin here this morning. Kevin was a kid that came early on the week, and he came up to me one time real, real early, and he said, Hey, Tim, Brendan said that uh, you'd give me some of your candy. And I said, Really? Hey, Brendan, did you say that I'd give him some candy? Brendan's like, I didn't even talk to him. Okay, so Kevin, let's talk about honesty. But then, okay, here's some candy. Okay, and Kevin was just that kid, right? He'd just come up and just super funny. He played lots of basketball. He talked to all the different leaders. And uh, on the way to the beach, he talked my wife's ear off about NBA and everything. And uh, this kid, though, early on in the week, in, uh, about Tuesday, was um, invited into a moment by, the, again, the youth leader, Alexander's, and asking, what is going to be the cornerstone of your life? And he answered, Kevin did, quite honestly, and said, it's going to be basketball. I'm going to go to the NBA. It's going to be basketball. And he was serious about this. The week rolls on, and it's Thursday, and he's in our rock band class, and he's playing an instrument, and he goes up to me and, and my wife and says, I'm, I'm done, I'm leaving. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to not participate, I'm going to call my mom, I'm going I'm to leave. And, I mean, he's a part of the band, and we're like, what's going on? So we go into the staff room, and, and we're like, hey, Kevin said that he wants to go home. And right then, all the Latvian team, they said, we're praying right now. And he and another, there was actually two students that said they want to leave. So we all prayed right then. And Alexander goes upstairs, and while he's walking upstairs, Kevin walks out of his room and says, hey, I'm actually going to stay. And we're like, prayer works. <laughs> and and we, uh, um, we proceed the rest of the week. And then that evening, Thursday night, they had an opportunity to go around different stations. And what took place, literally D6, they walked they talked, they saw, they touched different like tangibles, and it was the gospel all like, like broken up into all these different ways for the students to internalize and really like reflect on all that God had done for them. And what Jesus did for them, dying on the cross, being buried and rising again for all of their sins, and that he really loved them, and that he wanted to be the cornerstone for their life. And so at the end of that time, Russ Williams, uh, who's in this service, he he would take every single student out from that room that they had just been prayed for and walked around the building and we came to a fireplace. Now, I've been around a lot of fireplace, like, you know, fire pits before, and I've also seen a lot of sunsets, but I've never seen a 12-year-old stare at a sunset for about 10 to 15 minutes and he's just teary-eyed. I'd never seen this before. I'm looking over a little confused. I'm like, is he okay? Is he okay? And Brennan walks over and he sits down next to him and he's playing the guitar and playing some worship songs for some kids and he just starts talking to Kevin. Kevin, are you okay, man? He's like, dude, I know that God, he's going to take care of me. I know that God loves me and he has a plan for my life. I know this. And this was just the kid like a day and a half before that wanted to leave. 
At the end of the week, he's one of the kids that got baptized. And why do I tell you this story? Because in the simple words, in the simple response from a 12-year-old, something had changed. His cause had changed. It went from being my life about my sports and my future to I know that God has a plan for my life and I'm going to trust him. The desire would be that as all these kids grow and have an incredible foundation in the Lord and as they start asking these questions that they would not just stay there but they would continue to grow and know our great God year after year as they encounter trials, as they encounter loss, as they encounter these questions that they would not know about God simply but that they would know him personally. That's the heart. That's my heart for this ministry. And I know that's your heart as well. And so I'd ask us a question here this morning. How might your family grow in getting to know him this week? Because knowing God is incomparable to everything. How might you grow? As there's nothing comparable to knowing him. How might you grow? And I have a couple resources actually here this morning. Uh, ben Search threw me onto this book. We've been going through a, a series in cause called The and the names of God. And this is a really, really good book that simply um, for young kids is, is, uh, really defines all the names of God. And it just takes you to, to Scripture. And it's a really, really well done book. But that could be a, it's a simple devotion and prayer about who God is as you get to know Him and His character. And for kids that like to have a little bit more complete sentences, uh, these are... Uh, um, <laughs> These are uh, a couple books on the names of God by Tony Evans that are also really good. And so I'll leave them here for you to take a look at. Maybe take a picture and visit Amazon. Um, But uh, one of the things that we want to do and make sure is that your kids know that each time they come in here, and you as a family knows that each time they come in here, that they're taken care of, but that we also see this too. We don't want them to stay here. We want them to continue to grow and know Him. You might be a kid, like me, who grew up here in this church. You could be in middle school or high school right here. And I'd say, God's placed people in in your life to follow. So continue growing and continue knowing. And watch as he's placed people around you. But you could also be maybe here with a a child, here for the child dedication, and and going, man, how am I going to do this? Ask that question, and God's going to bring people around you. He wants to do that. We want to do that. You might be here, and you might be the mom that has two, three, four, or six kids all on a, on a, on a nice little cart, bring them into church, and it completely overwhelmed. I just want to let you know we love you. You matter, and we want your kids and you to be encouraged too. We're so thankful that you're here. And you might be the parent looking at their 12 to 18-year-old, the young adult, and saying, man, I I just don't feel like I have a voice in their life anymore. We want to be here walking alongside you, and we want to echo what you're saying to your kids too. And partnering with you in this process as they grow to know Him. In whatever case, we are thankful. I'm thankful to be here and uh, excited to see what this next season looks like. But let's all continue to grow in our knowing of Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you. Thank you for today.
God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's living and it's active. God, I thank you that you transform lives. But I thank you, God, that also you don't, that you don't, uh, that you don't turn a blind eye to anyone. That your word says that you made each one of us in your image and likeness. That each one of us is a one of one. That you have a relationship with every single one of us. You want every single one of us to come to know you and to walk with you. But being a one of one, being someone made in your image and likeness, you want us to grow together. And that's what you've provided here at this church. You don't want us walking alone. You want us to grow and to encourage one another so that we might know you more and more and more. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your kindness. We give you today, and we love you, and pray these things in your name. Amen. Mm-hmm.